I'm Sam Kelly, and this is Threads of Commonality, where we lift the veil on the world issues that unite us like a thread weaving us together, keeping the conversations going that are vital to the health of our planet, animals, and our collective well-being. Meet everyday people making a difference in their communities. Learn about what unites us and discover ways to change the world. Together, we are powerful. Real conversations with real people. Welcome to Threads of Commonality. I'm Sam Kelly. Our guest today is Megan Sorbo. And Megan is a teenage activist and she's awesome and I'm super excited for everyone to meet her. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about her in a moment, but I want to let you know that her mom, who's equally as awesome, Tina Sorbo, is on on the call with us as well. So you'll hear from her throughout, but our focus today is on on Megan. And a little bit about Megan. She's a 14-year-old animal and environmental activist. She is an unapologetic, outspoken, and unwavering vegan. Love that part. In addition to animals, Megan's other passion in life is Taekwondo. There are multiple people who inspire her, but Megan particularly looks up to Rachel Carson as a role model to emulate. Megan is an avid fiction writer and as an adult would like to be an author and work in a science field that involves helping animals. Megan also likes to read go biking, hiking, paddling, and to spend time with their animals, four dogs and two cats. Megan, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, it's great to be here. Thanks. Uh, yes. I'm so glad to have you here, and I'm, I'm really excited for everyone to hear your story. Uh, here in the beginning, I just want to kind of talk about who you are and tell me what your life has been like so far. Childhood, you said a little bit about your hobbies, but tell me more about just what what your life has been like so far? Because it's been a little different, right? Yeah, I'd say it has. Um, I've done a lot of different things that sometimes it feels a little weird to be kind of a little bit set apart from my friends, that they're really nice people, but it's still sometimes a little bit weird to be kind of different from them, especially with being vegan, which I'll never compromise on that. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you're the odd one out, but. And I think every young person feels different. I know I'm in my 40s now, but I do remember what it was like to be a teenager. And it's an awkward time and everyone feels different. But not everyone is brave enough to be who they are genuinely, you know, to the core. Because when you're a little different from mainstream society and and those expectations in society, it can be scary to to live your life in a way where you're authentic. And I just think it's so great that you're brave enough to do that. Can you tell me what makes you different? I know you said that you're vegan, but what else about your life makes you maybe a, a little different? Like, how are you really living who you are? Well, nature and especially wildlife is really important to me that I want to make sure that it's still there in a hundred years that that I want to make a difference with making sure that Earth is still inhabitable in a couple hundred years. Henry, Henry David Thoreau once said, what is the use of a house if you haven't got a tolerable planet to put it on? That um, I think that that's just really important because what's the point of having a planet if it's all industrialized? What's the point of 
having a planet if there's nowhere that's wild and beautiful to go see. So what I want to do is I want to help to keep those places wild and beautiful. That if I can be one voice making a difference, I want to be one of those voices. I'm not sure who said it, but there's a quote that I know that I know is really meaningful. It's, um, when the whole world tells you to move, it is your job to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell them, no, you move. I love that. And I have so many questions for you, but I, I realized that I didn't really properly introduce you because I didn't explain how I met you and when I first saw you. So I, I want to do that real quick. If that's, is that okay with you? Of course. Okay. So it was 2016, I believe. And uh, I moved to Florida in 2015 and immediately became part of the uh, movement to try to stop the bear hunt, the hunt of the Florida black bear. Unfortunately, uh, that, that passed. I mean, the, there was a hunting season on the Florida black bear. But in 2016, I'd been here a little longer. I felt a little more uh, connected to that community. And I ended up traveling to Apalachicola and you were there. I had kind of heard about you at that point. Um, that was in 2016. So you were 10, right? I had heard that there was this young girl that was going around and speaking uh, at, at commissioner meetings to speak for the bears and the wildlife. And that you had this little pink stool that you would bring and you would carry it up with your speech to the podium put the stool down, step up on it and start addressing these adults that are very intimidating to adults like myself. But there you were. And, and then I got to, I, so I had heard about you and then I got to see you, to see you walk up there and step up with such confidence that most adults in the room didn't even have. You took your place, you stood up there and, and you spoke so beautifully and powerfully about protecting black bears. And I could feel the passion and in, in emotion. And I have to tell you, beyond me being impressed, they listened to you. There were hundreds of us that went up and, and spoke that day. It was a long day. And uh, for the, the adults that went up there to speak, the commissioners were kind of listening a little bit. You know, they'd get up and go to the restroom or play on their phones or, you know, drink their coffee. They were half listening even when I was up there speaking and uh, it was frustrating. But when you walked up there, you could hear a pin drop. Everyone stopped. The audience was silent and you had every single commissioner's full attention. And I think that is profoundly powerful. That's why I was eager to have you on the show today. And I'm, I hope I'm not embarrassing you right now with, with these accolades, but I really want you to hear just what an impact you made. My goal with Threads of Commonality is to get these stories out because you're fantastic. And I want other young people to hear your story and be empowered by that. And I want other parents to hear your mom's story and, and the encouragement to raise an activist. And I think that's how we change the future. So can we go back and can you just tell me about how you got started with all that speaking and, and, and going to these meetings? What, what was that like and, and how did that go for you? And how did that get started? Well, the first meeting, 
I really, really love bears. They're one of my favorite animals that when I learned that there was the possibility of a hunt happening again in Florida, I wanted to try to help stop it that, that, so that I could try to help make a difference to save the lives of the bears. So my first meeting, I was really nervous because I thought that no one would take me seriously as a kid. So I thought that I would be told to get off the podium. I remember my knees were shaking and I was scared, but I spoke and that really kick-started kind of what's become a huge part of my life, that I want to make a difference for these animals. How old were you when you did that, when you made your first speech? My first speech, I was nine. Wow, nine years old. And you were speaking at these intimidating formal government meetings. Yeah. You, you know, you've, I, I'm probably going to mess the phrase up, the quote, but it says, speak even if your voice shakes. So I think that's important that even though we're scared, everyone's scared to get up and speak like that, but we have to push through it because the animals don't have that voice. You know, the, the oppressed don't have that voice. So those that do have that voice need to use it, right? Exactly. Do you feel like using your voice is, is your biggest contribution and, and is your voice mostly spoken? You do some writing as well? I do some writing, but for the most part, um, I've mostly done going and speaking, but it's not just my voice. It's the voices of everyone, that it's every single voice chiming in to make one that really make a difference that all these different people get up there. It's not just me. It's everyone that was involved. All right, Megan, I'm, this has been a wonderful conversation with you so far. I really enjoy talking to you, and I'm sure our listeners are just really eager to hear more about your story. So you're 14 years old, you're an activist, you, you've been speaking, and, and I, I want to talk one more time about the, the bear um, speech, because in 2016 in Apalachicola, they voted against a bear hunt. You feel like you were, uh, did you contribute to that? I feel like everyone contributed to that. I'd like to think that I was a part of it, but it wasn't just me. It was everyone that was involved. We couldn't have done anything without every single voice that cared enough about the bears to step up and say, hey, this isn't right. It's time to change this. Can you tell me a little bit about your life now? What inspires you? What what? What are you most passionate about? We've talked a lot about wildlife with, with the bears and, and the speeches, but what else is, is something that is, you're just super passionate about? Veganism is a huge part of my life. I went vegan to save the lives of all the hundreds of animals that die to create food for humans. So it's something that is a huge part of my life that I'll admit, at first, I didn't really think I could ever go vegan, but I think that's the case with every vegan, that now I could not comprehend not being vegan. Sometimes it can be a little weird to be around people that don't really understand veganism, but when veganism becomes such a big part of your life that you're identifying openly as a unapologetic, adamant vegan, you don't really care what others think. You just, you don't apologize for what you believe in. You just 
live it. You know, Gandhi said, my life is my message. That was Mahatma Gandhi. My life is my message. And, um, you know, I'm vegan as well. And uh, I didn't go vegan until I was an adult. I'm, I'm super proud of you for making that connection and, and your mom for being open and, and supportive. It is a hard decision to make. I, I probably should reword that. It's not a hard decision because it's so obvious once you realize what's going on with billions of farm animals every single year, and not just for the farm animals themselves, but the impact on the environment and, and human health. And it, it's, it's, to me, one of the biggest issues we need to be talking about. And uh, I didn't realize it because, you know, you're not told anything about what happens to farm animals when you're a kid or even as an adult. <laughs> this is not uh, common knowledge and it's not in labeling. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of hidden. And, um, but you, how did you become vegan? I mean, what, what prompted that? Was it the, the, the bear speeches and then making that connection or was there something else? There were two videos. There was a calf and a pig and I saw them and I couldn't let, they weren't even graphic. I just could not let that happen. And worse to literally billions of animals. You saw a, a couple videos. And you said they, they weren't even graphic, right? Because the, the truth is really graphic. Um, it, it's really difficult. But you saw some videos and how did you feel? I was angry and I was sad. And then my immediate reaction was, we're going vegan. And been that way ever since that we went vegan like that. We didn't just kind of ease into it because we just immediately went vegan. It was really kind of the bear hunt that got me thinking about it. And then it was this calf and this pig that made me realize, hey, this isn't right. In the book, The Giver by Lois Lowry, the society is kind of this flat, kind of dronish society that everything is the same as it always was. Everything is in its pre-programmed rows that nothing ever changes. But there are these people, the receivers, that they receive the memories of the past and they are kind of set apart and are able to see everything behind their boxy pre-programmed society that in our society, it's quite similar that there are parallels to it, that the vegans that know the truth about these animals and what happens to them are like the receivers that they've gotten these memories and they're able to say, hey, this isn't right. Everyone who doesn't really understand or know about these animals are really kind of everyone else that they're living in this world where everything is easy and the same as it always was. I love that analogy. I've read The Giver many times. I didn't make that connection to uh, veganism, and, but, but you're right. And when you learn of what's happening to billions of sentient beings, you can't unlearn that. You can't unsee it, in my opinion, anyway. And uh, it's like this veil has been lifted and you will never see things the same again. Do you feel that's true for you? Very much so. That There's a phrase, ignorance is bliss, that when you don't know what's happening to these animals, it's easier to just eat your sausage when vegans would find it, frankly, repulsive to eat such a thing because they know the atrocities that happen to these animals before they can make it to your plate. And how, what was the reaction like with your family? Uh, you instigated that change, right? 
I think so. Yeah. And how how was it received? Was it was it hard for your family? And um, I know in the beginning, it, when I first became vegan, this was twelve years ago, so it was really weird then. It it was hard. My family didn't understand. My friends didn't understand, and I. I'm extremely stubborn, so I pushed through that, but it was a little hard for me as an adult. I can't imagine how difficult it is for someone that's not a full adult yet. So what was that like for you as far as changing and and friends, family, relationships? Well, for my family, it was easier because they'd seen it and they're like, okay, we'll do this too. Although sometimes it can be a little hard for some of them. For the most part, we're completely vegan I would not consider not being sometimes it's a little weird to be around my friends when they're eating their non-vegan food but my best friend is vegan so that's really just awesome to have a friend who understands this sometimes it can be a little weird around my friends but for the most part since we're friends it's like well okay this is who I am this is who you are that's okay we'll respect that Once I did a program in Costa Rica where I was there for 10 days, it was really fun and really awesome. But because um, the program had, they supplied the food, we had to tell them beforehand, I'm vegan, I will not consider not being vegan. So they kind of had to accommodate. And sometimes it got kind of weird because they didn't understand it. And I don't think they really wanted to understand. They knew what what it meant to be vegan. They just didn't understand why. I think so, that it was kind of something that you don't really want to, if it's easy, it's easier to not be vegan because I think it's just easier to not think about what's happening to these animals. But once you do realize and it's like, oh, this veil has been lifted, that it's like, how could I ever have eaten this? How is this considered food? There's a quote, I don't know who said it, that's also really important to me that it's it's not that I avoid certain foods it's that I have a different definition of what food is that's in your essay isn't it Mm -hmm. tell me about your essay I I have more questions about this because this exposing young people to what's happening in the world is is a delicate delicate thing I want to talk to you more about that but let's do the essay tell me about this essay well for my school we're doing writing for language this semester So for a persuasive essay, I decided to write, for my topic, I decided to write about why more people should go vegan. So it's including examples about the health benefits, the environmental benefits, but mostly about it can save the lives of billions of animals if more people are vegan. Do you want to read part of your essay? Sure. Do you have a favorite part of it? I like my last paragraph because it kind of wraps it up kind of nicely. Yes. Go ahead. Veganism has enormous benefits for everyone involved, such as improving health, helping to protect the earth, and most importantly, saving the lives of countless millions of animals. Although for many people, it may seem daunting at first, to almost everyone who calls themselves a vegan, the rewards of knowing that no animals have to die for you to live are completely worth it. One person perfectly summed up veganism by saying, It's not that I avoid certain foods. It's that I have a different definition of what food is. Well done, Megan. Well done. And and by the way, I heard your speaker voice come out there. That that reminded me of the Megan I've heard standing at the podium. There's something happens to you when that mic is there and you have the floor. uh, And it's, it's, awesome to see. And I want you to keep running with that because there's, there's something there that you're going to use even more so in the future. I see it. It's, it's 
crystal clear. So, and I'm sure mom and your family see that as well. Thank you. So what prompted the essay? You're, you, did you, you didn't do this for, for, well, you, did you do this for school? Tell me about schooling. Um, well, I'm homeschooled, which gives us some flexibility about we can kind of go do stuff, which is how we've been able to go to these meetings because we're kind of flexible. Since we are doing a persuasive essay, because veganism is so important to my life, I decided to write it about why more people should go vegan. Yeah. And, and I, I read the essay and I'm actually, if it's okay with you, I'm going to put it on my website to go with this podcast because I want people to be able to see the whole essay in its entirety. I know they got to hear the conclusion, the wrap up, which was powerful in itself, but I want them to also be able to, to read the whole essay because I teach writing and in uh, you know Florida learning standards, we call it argumentative writing, but you have all the components of an excellent essay and uh, you did a really nice job. So I would love for that to be an example for others to follow. Uh, tell me about homeschooling and, and uh, Tina, mom, if you want to chime in here, I'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, tell me about homeschooling. What, what was, why was the decision made and, and what's that like and pros and cons, all of it. Let, let's just talk about homeschooling. Let's hear it. Well, I think it's really good for us because that means we're given some flexibility about that we can, that a lot of the meetings are on days that are school days for us so we can do school another day. So you can be an activist because you're, when you're homeschooling, you've got that flexible schedule. So you can take your passion and actually go out and be an activist and, and, and you have the flexibility to do that. Yeah. And you can travel, right? I, I see a lot of your adventures. I'm a little jealous, by the way, but uh, you get to do all this traveling, but you're also learning. And, and maybe being in these geographical locations and going on these adventures is the is a awesome way to learn in itself. I mean, you are living the experience and learning in the actual environments probably that you're learning about instead of watching a video or reading. You're there. And you went to Alaska, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've gone to Alaska twice. Tell me about that. I, I spent a summer in Alaska, and it, once you've been to Alaska, you'll, you'll never forget it. it. It changed me. And tell me about Alaska. Alaska was just really, really amazing. It seemed like a different country, even though it is obviously part of the United States. It just it seemed so different because it's still so large and wild and open that you can go from Anchorage to Katmai, which Katmai was just my favorite place in the world because there was so many bears. That's the cover of this episode, right? A photo that you took there. So you saw a lot of bears? Yes, there were a lot of bears, like lots of bears around Brooks Falls. We saw my favorite bear there a lot. And there were bears all over the place where we were staying. Like we could walk out to the beach one morning and there was just a bear just laying on the beach. And it's like, oh, hello. And when we were leaving, there were there was a mom and three cubs on the beach as we were leaving and they did not make it any easier to leave. And there could be just bears just walking around the plains. And um, if a bear is laying in the path and he's in your way, you wait for that bear to move. The bears get all the priority. People can get in these bear traffic jams for hours. And if you're trapped behind a bear traffic jam when your plane is due to leave, they will not move that bear because you'll just have to be late. 
and the plane will leave without you. And they'll have to delay the plane leaving if there's a bear laying too close. The bears get all the priority and it's wonderful. Oh, that sounds great. Did that help you? I mean, did that make you feel like, yeah, this is this is who I'm speaking for. You know, I, I'm doing this for the animals and there they are. I mean, did that, the, how did that feel to be in the presence of the beings that you are so passionately and so eloquently defending? How did that feel? It felt amazing to be watching these bears that I had done I devoted a lot of my life to helping to protect bears in Florida. And then I get to see bears wild in Alaska. And it's like, yeah, these, no wonder I love them so much because they're so awesome. I'd like to hear from mom now, just for a couple minutes. I want to hear about what it's like to be, um, uh, a parent that has that has such a strong child and that's living an activist life. Um, what's that like as a as a parent? And and what do you see your role as Tina for with, with Megan besides teacher? But what what's your role in, in her journey as an activist? Um, I'd say my role is just to guide her and to take my cues from her because you know, this is the choices that she's making and her passion that's coming out. So I'm just kind of the, the, the navigator. So, you know, in a sense. Has she always been this passionate? Has she always been um, outspoken like this? Or was there a certain age where she found her voice? Um, it was around like when she was seven, she kind of started really being passionate about nature. We went down to the Everglades, took her there for the first time, and she was just wowed. And that's kind of what it all started. So just as her mom, it's kind of humbling to see her because I think, wow, you know, I could never do what she does. And it's, it's amazing to me, you know, because I told you, I'm, I like being a wildflower. So, and she's like, you know, I don't care. You know, she, you know I'm, I'm speaking out for these animals because it matters that much to her. Um, so it's, pretty amazing for me as her mom to watch her being so brave and passionate and it's just I'm just wowed by it and kudos to you as a mom for letting Megan be Megan and and being there to just support her unconditionally and and be with her on this journey I think that's wonderful um is it hard as a parent to navigate the truth and what you allow your child to be exposed to? I mean, you said you took her to the Everglades when she was seven, and I'm sure she learned about some of the challenges that we're facing here in Florida with the Everglades and water quality and destruction. And I, I know as a teacher, this is hard for me. And then I have nieces as well. Um, it's hard for me to balance the truth that I think everyone deserves to know because that's how change happens, but also to remain hopeful and positive and not overwhelm young people, you know, cause it's, it's a fine line that we're walking with. Here's what's really happening. So I try to show here's what's happening, but here's what you can do. You know, here's how you use your voice to make a difference. And that's the positive part. But what's, what's that been like for you? And, and what age do you think it's appropriate 
or safe or good to allow children to be exposed to these topics? So it's a tough question. Gosh, I mean, it is because I think, you know, parents and teachers, they know their kids the best, you know, they know what they can handle. But I think the great thing about kids is they, they can see something and, you know, you don't, they don't have to be given all the gory details. They can be given a, a little, almost a sanitized version of what's going on. But the great thing about kids is if they don't like something, most of them, they're not like adults where they say, hey, I want to help, you know, I, this needs to stop and how can we do it? And I think that's a great lesson that, you know, adults should learn from kids is that they don't, they're not static and, you know, how the world is that they see, hey, let's make some changes. And it's just, it, I think it's sad that so many adults just kind of poo-poo off kids and their opinions and what, you know, they think. And I think like kids like Megan and every kid has the right to, you know, voice their opinions on especially environmental issues and whatnot, because they're inheriting this and they have just as much right to an opinion and to speak on it as I do or you do. But I think even I, more so. I think yeah. they even have more, more of a right because this is their planet longer you know right but you know so many people just think well kids you just need to sit down and be quiet and you know we know better because we're adults and I think that they have every right to respectfully disagree and assert their opinion and not on certain things of course adults still have to guide them on things that they're not ready to handle but I just think that there's nothing wrong with kids having an opinion, no matter what it is, as you know, as long as it's their opinion. And that can be a, a tricky balance too. If kids are getting used by adults, but it's like, if kids have their opinion, let them express it. And, and teach them and empower them to, to back up their claims and their opinions with facts. And that's what you've done with Megan. I mean, she's got the facts, she knows how to find the answers. And those are crucial skills that I think even adults need. For sure, especially in today's day and age to be able to back up claims and opinions with factual evidence. And Megan is definitely on a journey to do that. I've, I've heard it in her speeches where she's providing facts and data and sources and it's in her essay and it's, it's, it's uh, very powerful. And I'm super excited to see more from her. Megan, what age do you think it's okay to start learning about what's going on in the world as far as truth and what can be done. What do you think about that? Well, I think um, whenever you really find something that you care about, as soon as you find that, then you should really don't be afraid to stand up and speak out for what's right. There's a quote by Mahatma Gandhi that he said, you must be the change you wish to see in the world, that this is your world. This is the world that we are being given and we are being and we are inheriting we are also inheriting all the problems that are left behind for us, that as soon as we find something that's important to us, it's time to stand up and don't be afraid to tell others why this is important. And it's especially important for kids that they're mostly underestimated and kind of been like, no, you're just a kid, that we kids are more capable than people believe. There's a line from the song Land of Confusion by Genesis that it goes, this is the world we live in. And these are the hands we're given. So stand up and let's start trying to make this a world worth living in. I agree completely. And I, your balance of facts with quotes, and I can tell you're an avid reader. And that's just, that's fantastic. I'm really, really proud of you. I know your, your parents and your whole family are super proud of you. And I know just with your reputation here in Florida, you're like a celebrity. I mean, the everyone in the, uh, 
the animal protection movement knows knows who you are for the most part and they they love hearing you speak and i'm i'm really really excited about your future and where you're headed what are your plans for the future what are your next steps well i want to keep being one of the voices for the voiceless and to do that to keep going to meetings and speaking out for what's important and when i grow up i want to get a field in one of the sciences there's so many sciences that i like i'm not sure which one yet but one of them. Once your eyes have been opened to problems with everything going on in the world, you can never close them again, that you'll always find some issue to fight an uphill battle that once you win this battle, it will be elation that you'll think, hey, all this, all this hard work, but it paid off that we made a difference. And this, this was worth it. It was all worth it. That wraps up this episode of Threads of Commonality. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you found some common threads and enjoyed listening. Please remember to click the subscribe button, share, and find us at threadsofcommonality.com. I'm your host, Sam Kelly. Remember to keep the conversations going.